morning and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 119, 119. We're going off our first John series today with 4th of July coming up. You know, I just felt like preaching something, I guess, a little uh, more patriotic and uh, to go along with the 4th of July. And uh, I'm not nece- I wouldn't necessarily call this a patriotic message or anything that I'm doing, but one thing I'm going to be talking about today and that is liberty. And uh, liberty is something that is not—it's not an American thing. Even it's—or it didn't start with America. It actually is a Bible thing, and it's something the Bible talked about liberty a lot. And uh, the truth is, the people who came to this country and started this nation—they were looking for that liberty that they uh, read about in the Bible. They knew about liberty because they knew the Bible. These were Christian people. And they wanted a country where they could experience that liberty uh, like God intended for us to experience it. And they started this great nation that we live in. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being patriotic and loving your country. I, 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 while I'm not a big fan of a lot of things going on in this country, I still love this nation. And I still love, I still love the American flag. I love the Star Spangled Banner. And um, I, I am thankful. I'm not a big fan 
of a lot of our leaders, but I thank God that we have the ability to vote. And I and I like I enjoy taking advantage of that. And I think I think it's wonderful that our leaders that we have the ability as a people to get rid of them if if they need to be uh, getting gotten rid of. And so, uh, but I, I do. I love this country. I love liberty. And I want us to talk. We're going to talk about liberty today. We're going to talk about Christian liberty. Uh, the name Liberty Baptist Church. It was something that I, I know. There's a lot of Liberty Baptist churches out there, I guess. But this, the the name Liberty Baptist Church, I guess, what made me decide to call it that actually um, was from a few years before. I, I was reading a book on Christian liberty, and when I was reading that book. Uh, as he's talking about liberty, because a lot of people got the wrong idea about what liberty is, and especially Christian liberty. And as he's going through and he's explaining these things in the book, I thought, man, that to me it explained my life in a lot of ways. The way God has blessed me and the way that I was raised, I feel like I'm probably the freest person that there is. And I enjoy liberty as much or more than anybody. I feel that way. And I thought, you know, if I ever start a church... I want to call it Liberty Baptist because uh, I, I just like I like what that word means, and I want I want to proclaim that to people, and I want to tell people about it, and I want them to know that this is a place they can come and they can find liberty. And so many people today are just so deep and struggling in the bondage of sin, and uh, uh, you know, thank God they can be freed from that. They don't have to be. People don't have to live in the bondage of sin. They can't have liberty. And we're going to read about it tonight, or right now, we're going to talk about it this morning. It says in Psalms 119, verse 44, it says, So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. And I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Psalms 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses. And I believe every verse but maybe two in that whole chapter has some kind of reference to the Word of God or to the law, commandments, testimonies, precepts, statutes. It uses a lot of different words, but the book of or the chapter of Psalms 119 is all about the law of God or the Word of God. And sometimes it's mentioned more than once in a verse. And he makes a statement here that I love. He says, I will walk at liberty for I seek thy precepts. Most people today, they don't associate law with liberty. But in the Bible, we see that real liberty, it comes from the law of God. Most people today, when it comes to liberty, they think liberty means no rules. They think liberty means I can do whatever I feel like doing. I can, I can, and when it comes to Christian liberty, they feel like because they're saved, that they can do whatever they want to do and not have to worry about going to hell. And if you're saved, you don't have to worry about going to hell, but that doesn't mean that's not what liberty means. Liberty doesn't mean you're free to sin all you want. Liberty is not just the ability to do whatever you want, but it's it's the freedom to do the right thing. And the truth is, if you do whatever your flesh desires and you do whatever your heart evil heart desires, it's only going to bring bondage. Real liberty comes from the law of God. You know, to keep your liberty as a nation, 
or even as an individual, it's a constant battle that you have to fight. Many people, rather than fight, they'd rather just give up that liberty. Thank God our founding fathers weren't like that. They could say, you know, we don't want to fight a war. You know what? Let's let England go ahead and keep telling us what to do. Thank God they didn't do that. They said, you know what? There's something that's worth dying for. Thank God there was men like Patrick Henry who said, give me liberty or give me death. And people like Nathan Hale who said, I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Thank God there was people like that. But today, we live in a society where people, they would just, they don't want to deal with anything. They would rather just throw their liberty away. And the truth is, if you decide to just give the liberty away instead of fighting, for a brief time, things will be easier. However, though, the truth is to not have liberty is to be in bondage. And many today, they've been in bondage for so long that they don't even know what real liberty is like. They have no idea. You know, we look at some of these other countries that are, you know, have dictatorships and things, and we think, how come those people don't rise up and fight against that stuff? Even some of these countries where they've had elections, they keep voting the dictators in. Why is that? Because they have no idea. They've never experienced liberty. They don't know. They don't know what it is. They don't understand it. And many people today, they don't understand what real Christian liberty is. They've not experienced it. They they don't understand. Many times they look at all the rules that are whatever you want to call them, the things that uh, the things that we do as Christians and the way we live, and they think I would never want that. I don't want that. But they have no they have no idea what they're missing out on. Liberty is a Christian liberty is a wonderful thing. Many people think because they're saved that they can't be in bondage, but that's not true. Galatians 5.1, the verse that's on the front of your bulletins today, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. You can be saved and you can be on your way to heaven, but if you start allowing certain things in your life, if you start giving up your liberty in Christ, you can be bogged down by sin. You can be uh, you you can be held back spiritually. You'll still go to heaven, but you're not going to enjoy the trip there near as much as you would if you really experienced the true liberty. But to keep your liberty, it is a fight, but it's not near as difficult as trying to get it back after you've lost it. So that's why we don't want to give up any freedoms that we have as a nation because it's too hard to get them back. You know some of these laws and things that they're passing right now. We think, well, maybe in the next election we can get those, get rid of those things. That's a lot easier said than done. I think we're, I think we're, we're heading for some bad times, the way the way things are going. But some examples of how difficult it is to get your liberty back. Just some life examples that I think we can all relate with is a person who obeys the law of no drugs. They have. Uh, the person who obeys that law, they don't struggle with it like a person who has disobeyed the law. For example, a drug addict has a very hard time following the law in that area, don't they? I mean, they've got they have they, they deal with that temptation, they've got that stuff in their system and they, they're addicted to it, they've just gotta have it. But yet you've got others who've never touched it, they're going on their merry way and it's not bothering them one bit. They don't have the police coming after them. They don't have to be in hiding. They are in, they are in liberty from drugs. I am free right now. Thank God I am free from the bondage of drugs. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that stuff. Listen, it's hard. It's hard to give things up. 
I mean, good night. I can't even go without meat for more than a day without getting grumpy. I mean, I have a tough time enough dealing with caffeine. I get a headache if I go a couple days without it. I would be in big trouble if I ever got on drugs. I would. I'd be in big trouble. So you know what? I enjoy. I don't worry about that right now. It's not a problem for me. And you know what? I enjoy that liberty. I enjoy that. And you know what? I want to keep it. So I'm going to stay away from it. Some people think, well, liberty means I can do it. I can do it. Well, okay. You go ahead and try that, and you see if you have a liberated lifestyle. You see. You see how much you enjoy your life after you get into the bondage of that stuff. But that you know, that's the case with all addictive sins. Things like alcohol and cigarettes, pornography, stuff that people literally get addicted to. The truth is all sin is addictive. And once we go and we cross certain lines and we experience certain things, it's hard to ever get victory over those things. That's why it's important that you never do it. Not one time. I mean, you young kids that are here, don't ever, don't ever try that stuff. Don't ever let your friends talk you into it. Learn to say no to those things. Because if you say yes one time, the next time it's going to be even easier to say yes. And it's going to be easier and easier to do the wrong thing. And then before you know it, it's going to be harder and harder to do the right thing. Say no to that. There may be people here who have had problems with that in the past and you got victory over it. But I think you'd be the first one to admit that it was tough. It was a difficult battle. And it's a battle, to tell you the truth, I'd rather not fight. I'm not going to give up that liberty. But another uh, examples, but also there are some things that aren't even necessarily sin, but they can be controlling. Just kind of show you how our human nature is. For example, can you imagine what would happen in this country if all of a sudden we lost all our electricity? No electricity. People would go insane. If they didn't if they couldn't watch TV for a couple days, if they couldn't if they once the batteries went dead in their cell phones, I mean what would in the world would we do? I mean, good night. If I know this probably is going to happen, but I just want you to, just to kind of help you understand. I mean, if something happened where we long term we're not going to be able to have computers, cell phones, televisions for several months, I promise you they would have to start setting up counseling centers and therapies for people who literally would be going through some withdrawals like you wouldn't believe. Because we're that addicted to it, but not for, but I can tell you, there's one group that wouldn't have to, that wouldn't miss a beat. Amish people. <laughs> you think they, you think they would care? They're, they're going to be fine. They're going to be going on their merry way, and they're going to be enjoying. You know why? They, they've got liberty from that stuff. I'm not saying all those things are sin, but at the same time, they have liberty from those things. And there are some things once you get them, you never get rid of it. I remember my first cell phone. I was. I was 18 years old, and I had a job where it was, you know, my parents they liked to worry about me and stuff, and they weren't able to get a hold of me and stuff, so they wanted me to have a cell phone. And for Christmas, I got a cell phone, and I was just like, "Oh, big deal." Oh, okay, that's fine. I guess it'd be kind of neat if I needed it every now and then. But, you know, back then, everybody didn't talk to each other all the time. I didn't care. Yeah, and then I was really upset when I, my dad's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you're going to be paying the monthly bill on that," and I was like. How is this even a present? I gotta pay. I gotta pay for the monthly bill on it. But I, I didn't even really want it to tell you the truth. I, I didn't care. I wasn't. I wasn't excited about it. But yet at the same time, even myself now, I'd be, I'd be kind of in trouble without it. You know, we get dependent on certain things. 
I remember the first time we had we got the internet. We had that slow dial-up internet. You know, we had it because it was it was cheap. It was there. Didn't really care about it that much. Want to turn that down again? And um, you know, didn't think much of it. And then we ended up moving to a place where we got the faster DSL internet. And oh my goodness, I mean. That was that was a million times better. And then I remember I'd go to my dad's and I would try to get on his computer, and that it would just be driving me nuts. Dad, how do you do this? This is terrible. You know, I was like, you know, and it, we get dependent on things. And I know those things aren't bad, but it's but there are some things that are bad that we are losing our liberty to. That we literally get so controlled by them, and sometimes even things that aren't bad, we can make them where they are bad. For example, the television. I mean, good night if you're watching that thing, you know, six or seven hours a day. You know, we got a problem. You know, if now you can't go to church anymore because you're addicted to that favorite TV show that's on during church time, and you know you're not spending time with your family because you're too busy watching your reality shows or whatever, then it has become a sin. And people literally get in bondage with it. They can't get away from their computer for more than a couple hours. They don't have parents don't have time for their kids because they're too busy. They're too busy talking to people that they don't even know. And it's controlling them. They can't get away from it. But someone, but somebody who's not ever had those things, they don't have a problem. And someone who's never been as that might or that has never had them, they might not even be as strong spiritually, but they're not going to have to struggle with them because they have liberty. A person who has no knowledge of what certain sin is like doesn't struggle like the person who has disobeyed the law of God. Said if you don't, there's some, listen. There are some sins that bring pleasure for a season, and once you try them, some of the drugs and things. There's obviously something about it that's attracting people to it. But you know what? We're all better off not finding out what it is, because then we're going to keep wanting it. We're going to be struggling with it. We're going to be dealing with it, and then before long, that season of pleasure is going to be over, and then we got to deal with the consequences of it. And now we're in bondage. I mean, it's sad how many people I've talked to, young people, young teenagers whose futures are destroyed because they don't they don't care about getting jobs, they don't care about doing school. All they care about is getting their hands on more drugs. And they'll do whatever they have to do to get it. They'll steal from their parents, they'll steal from their friends, they'll do whatever they have to do because they're controlled by those things. They're controlled by sin. And we've got to be careful because all sins, all immoral sins, they do bring pleasure for a season, but then we have to deal with the consequences later and we have to deal with the bondage of them. And there, listen, there, and there are some things that we're supposed to do, but many people feel like they can't because they don't have liberty. For example, some people think, I could never go to church. I could never, I could never give any offering. I could never do whatever. But the truth is, the reason that they feel that way is they never have. I thank God I grew up going to church. It's as natural for me to go to church on Sunday as it is for me to brush my teeth in the morning. I mean, it's just a natural thing. And I thank God for that. I'm glad it's not something I had that I had to learn. It's not easy. It's hard, it's hard for some people to get in church, especially if they've been out of it for a long time. I tell you, you get out of something for a while, it's... Not, it's going to be hard to get back into it. That's why you got to be consistent. I mean, I I would I would never challenge you to try going without church for three months because you might not ever come back. Sometimes people say I just need a break. No, don't do that. 
Don't lose that liberty. Make it, make it a part of your regular life. But I want us to look at a man in the Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 23 if you want to turn there. There is a man that I want us to look at who he believed in liberty. And he believed in fighting for it. And this is not, this is not a well-known person. In fact, the truth is he's kind of got a goofy name. But he was one of David's mighty men. He was one of David's soldiers. David had some mighty men who did some amazing things in battles. And in verse 11 of chapter 23, it says, And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. And he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Now, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it, but we can learn something from him. Notice... It says that he went, the Philistines are coming, and he stood in the ground at uh, a patch of lentils, which is basically like green beans or peas or something, I guess. Alright? Not something you and I would consider very valuable. Now, imagine whoever planted the garden probably thought it was. You know, the Andersons, you probably fight somebody off if they went and started messing with your garden with all the, with the work yet. I know Brother Robert, he was one, he always, he always planted the gardens and did a good job with those. And they're important to you. But you know, a lot of people would say, lentils, who cares? Let the Philistines have them. But you know what? Those weren't, they weren't, it wasn't even his garden. That was God's. That land belonged to God. That battle was the Lord's. Other people thought, you know what? That's not important. The Bible says that when the Philistines came, that everybody fled. But Shammah, he stood there and he's like, no, they're not getting this. I'm not giving, I'm not letting them have these peas. And he went and he stood in the midst of that pea patch and he went and he by himself defeated those enemies. Some things I want us to learn from him is that one, we need to understand that most people are going to run from the real battles. That's just the way it is. Most people are going to run when the battles come along. Here come the Philistines and they're standing there like, forget this. Everybody takes off running. You know that's going to happen in churches. We're going to, in church, we're going to face battles. When those battles come, there may be a lot of people that say, "You know what? Forget that. I'm out of here." They're they're going to take off running. They're going to run away from it. In our country today, when we're fighting battles politically, many of our politicians, rather than getting in there and standing strong and fighting the battle, they just they run. They cower. They give up. And we need people in this country who are going to say, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to stand where God wants me to stand. And I'm going to, I'm going to fight. You need to learn to stand with God and not people. Shama that day, he was there all by himself. It's just him, but thank God he was fighting the Lord's battle. And the Lord, I believe, was with him. And the Lord helped him. And the Lord, the Bible says, wrought a great victory that day. The truth is, we don't need a crowd to be able to win battles. All we need is God to be on our side. If it's the right thing to do, we need to continue doing it. And we and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for the only church in town. It doesn't it, it, it should, that shouldn't matter. If all the other churches in town say, "You know what? We're just going to close our doors. It's pointless to even have church anymore. People don't want to go. People aren't interested." Say, "No, we're going to we're going to keep our doors open." 
We're going to keep on serving God. Hey, you know, if all the churches say, you know, we're going to quit using the Bible because, uh, you know, it's just outdated and it offends too many people, say, no, we're going to, we're going to continue proclaiming the Word of God like He said to do it. Now, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. And Shammah did that. He stood, when everybody else ran, he stood, and most people are going to run from the real battles. And you just got to learn to say, I'm going to stand and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Go ahead. I'm not saying to have a bad attitude, but just go ahead. You need to count on people letting you down and turning on you. Okay? It's, it's going to happen. It happens. I've been the one to let other people down before. I've been the one maybe turn on people before. You've all probably been that one before. You've had it done to you. But the truth is, we don't, while it is nice to be able to stand with people, while it is nice to be able to fight battles with other people that you can count on, the truth is, all we really need is God on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? And Shaman, he stood there all by himself. Another thing we can learn from him is don't make compromises. It says there in that passage that he went and he stood in the midst of that ground. I don't know how big that patch was, but when he was going to go fight that battle, he's like, I'm getting, I'm getting right smack dab in the middle. And they they can come at me. I'm going to fight. You know, most people what they do is they're like, you know, I'm going to kind of stay on the edge and give me room. If things the battle goes bad, I can get out real quick. A lot of people are like that. They uh, they like to compromise. Be just you know maybe just be on the edge of things. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse thirty two. I want to read this verse to you. Deuteronomy five. 32, I didn't mark it down in my notes. Deuteronomy 5, 32. It says, Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. One thing that just irritates me to death that I just cannot stand is I, and you're going to hear a lot of it during the election year, is you hear all this right and left stuff. The right wingers, the left wingers, you know, you, you hear all that stuff and you know we've gotta you know we've gotta find that middle ground, alright, between what the right says politically and what the left says politically. Well here's the thing. Both groups are way off the mark. <laughs> if we go in the middle of where they're at, we're in a really bad spot. And the truth is, we need to be in the what should determine what's right and what's the right and left, or what should determine the center, not be in the middle of where the mainstream Republicans stand or where the mainstream Democrats stand. What ought to determine the middle is what the Word of God says, which, by the way, they call you know right wing extremism, whatever they can call it whatever they want. But the truth is, it's what the Word of God says. That's the middle. That's the center. The Bible said, "Don't turn to the right hand. Don't turn to the left." We don't need to take. The, we don't need to be adding stuff to the Bible. We don't need to get more strict than what even the Bible says, and we don't need to be more liberal than what the Bible says. We need to do what God says to do. That the Bible, the Word of God, that's the center. If you ever want to find a middle of the road guy, biblically. Uh, if you want to ever find a politician who is right down the line in the middle, find a good Bible believer. That's what they. That's what because that. And good luck finding one of those in politics, by the way. But the truth is, that is what it, that is what is in uh, uh, Shama here. He stands in the center. Don't give 
any part of your life to the devil. There are so many people, they, they, they're just constantly giving him ground. Just giving him areas. I'm going to allow him access to my life. I'm going to, they get involved in different sins and they, they make compromises. Don't do that. Don't adjust your standards in life based on just what other people are doing. Most people today, and even Christian people, they feel like, well, as long as I'm better than the world, I'm okay. Well, the truth is, the world is so far gone. Just being a little better than the world is far from far from okay. Uh, this world, I mean, it's in a mess right now. Things aren't good. And my my dad always gave the example, you know, like at one time, you know, like let's say this pulpit's the center. This pulpit is the will of God. And at one time, and the Christians, you know, we weren't quite there. Maybe we were right here. And the world. But the world is way over here. Well, what's happened is the world is constantly moving farther and farther away from God, and Christians, we're right behind them. We're not to where they are, but we're right behind them. And in the meantime, while we're following the world, we're following away from God. And Christians today, getting far away from God. Don't do that. I mean, some of the things that even Christian people are doing, I, I, I don't get it. Listen, God has given us liberty. We don't have to do what the world does. I thank God that I don't have to dress the way the world dresses. I mean, I see some of them styles and things out there, and I think, good night. I would not. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that I'm. I'm glad I'm not cool. I'm glad I'm allowed to. I can wear a belt, and I'm glad I can wear pants that fit me. I'm glad I don't have to go. You know, to look. Hip or whatever, I have to be sagging my pants and worrying about them things falling down all the time. I'm glad I don't have to do that. I'm glad that I've got liberty and that I can go get a haircut and I don't have to have the shaggy stuff with the hair in my face where I can't see very good. I'm glad I don't have to do that. I wouldn't want to have to deal with all that hair. I thank God that I'm not a lady and I got short hair and I can fix it and just just like that. No problem. I think I, I mean I admire you ladies for having the nice long hair and taking care of it and all that. I'm, I'm glad, but I'm glad I don't have to do that. And I tell you, there's a lot of guys. They haven't got the memo on that, and they uh, they're, they're missing out. They're missing out on that liberty. I'm glad that I don't have to. I'm glad I don't have to talk like I just been to the dentist. You know, so like teenagers, they talk to some you know, all this mumbling thing. They, they talk. You can't understand them. You know, talking. It's like I remember when I went to the dentist one time. They kept giving me all these shots of Novocaine. And I remember when I was, I was kind of talking to them, I actually sounded pretty cool, you know, because it's like I, I don't, I don't get, I just don't get the world's behavior. And I thank God I don't have to act like that. I can talk like a normal human being. I mean, people these days, they when they look, they can't even look you in the eye when they talk, especially young people. When you, you go up and you talk to them, they just they don't even want to look at you, and they kind of they mumble. And well, listen, we don't have to do that. I can speak clearly. I can. I don't have to use, you know, to get a point across. I don't have to use a bunch of foul language. I don't. Have, I don't have to cuss people. I don't have. I don't have to. I don't have to use that kind of language just so I can feel like I'm cool and so I can feel like a man. I don't have to do that. God's given me liberty from that. I'm glad I don't have to do that. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm a, I can talk like a man. I'm glad I don't have to talk like a female. That's becoming more and more common these days. And ladies, there's nothing wrong with you talking like females. In fact, I hope you keep doing it. <laughs> well, but a lot, a lot of guys they can't figure out whether they're a guy or a girl. 
A lot of ladies today, they can't figure out if they're a guy or a lady. As Hey, God gave us liberty. We can be free. Men, we can be free to be men. Ladies, you can be free to be ladies. Thank God for that. We don't have to get involved in this gender neutral society and this unisex stuff. Thank God for that. I'm glad. You know, we're, I'm, I'm, this is not... I know it's not politically correct, but you know what? Men and women, we're different. We're different. God made us different. We think different. We act different. We talk different. We dress different. We do all these things different. And that's okay. Thank God we don't live in a world with all men. Thank God for that. I'm glad we have some ladies. I'm glad for that. And thank God it's not a world of all women. Can you imagine? If it was a world of all I mean, if it was a world of all women, what an emotional world it would be. If it was a world of all guys, what a violent world it would be. Thank God we have that to balance it out. We live in a world today that says, hey, we're not allowed to notice a difference. You know, you're not we're all we're all equal. Listen, we're all equal, but we are all different. And that's okay. And I'm not afraid to admit it. And there's listen, I'm glad I'm a guy, but that doesn't mean I think we're superior. We're equal but different. And it's okay. It's okay. But most people they they're they're constantly compromising these areas. I mean we don't have to do that. We need to stand in the center. Most people today they try to adjust their standards or their their walk slightly to the left of maybe the pastor, but to the right of the average church member. Well, as long as I'm better than most people. Listen, don't try to strive to be better than most people. That's probably not going to take a lot of effort the way this world's going. Strive to be godly. Strive to be what he wants you to be. Listen, the battles that we fight, they're not ours. They're gods. You may remember in First Samuel chapter seventeen, David he was talking, and he was going to fight that Philistine, and he said, "The battle is the Lord's. It's God's battle that I'm fighting. It's not my battle." There's things that God wants us to stand strong on as Christians, and the battles we fight, they are His. It's not up to us to decide what's worth fighting for or what we can give up. What we have is not ours; it's God's. Can you imagine if our soldiers in the military, whenever their commanders gave them a mission, if while they got on that mission, they're like, you know what? I'm not fighting this battle. I don't think this territory is worth it. Can you imagine if our soldiers did that? If all our soldiers just fought the battles that they felt like fighting, that'd be bad. It would be the military would be a mess. Thank God, thank God our soldiers, they're good at they follow orders. They listen to their commanders. And a lot of times the things that they the battles they fight, to them might not seem that important, but a lot of times there's some strategy behind it, and they are important. And we need to make sure that we don't go questioning God. If there's a battle that He wants us to fight, we need to fight it. We don't need to be questioning it. And Shama, he could have said, Hey, yeah, I don't know, maybe David had given the command. I want you to Protect that area. That was all he needed. And when it came time, when those Philistines came, he didn't look around and say, you know what, everybody else is gone. Man, this is just a patch of green beans or a patch of peas. You know, He said, no, I've got a command. I've got a mission. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to fight this battle. And when we have the victory, the victory, it's because of God, not us. Because the truth is, a good soldier just follows the orders of his commanders. The Bible says in that passage that the Lord wrought a great victory. That victory that day, it wasn't Shama's victory, it was God's victory. And the truth is, victory is not when everybody agrees with us. Remember, at the end of that battle, Shama's still standing all by himself. 
He's still there all by himself. He's all alone. The patch of lentils, it was still God. Nothing had changed, only the battle had ended. And the truth is, when we fight the battles, many times you're going to be standing alone. But if, if God's there, that's all that matters. The, the truth is, the whole world's probably not going to all agree with us. The truth is, we might not be, you might not ever be the most popular person in town and the most loved person in the world, but that's not what we strive for as Christians. We strive to please God and to do His will. And you may think that the battles are not worth fighting, and you might even think that the bondage is not so bad. That's what they kept saying, and the children of Israel kept saying, you know what, we've been better off staying in Egypt. They were in bondage in Egypt, weren't they? But they kept saying, we were better off in bondage. You know why? Because they kept facing battles. But thank God, He was merciful to them. He didn't just wipe them out there. God, He made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years, but then they got to experience freedom. They got to go into the promised land. But that attitude of saying that battles are not worth fighting, that attitude, listen, if you have that attitude, you have no business calling yourself an American because that's not an American idea. Our founding fathers, they've always, they, they believe that some battles are worth fighting. That there, it, there are some things that are worth the loss of a life. If you have that attitude, you have no business calling yourself a Baptist. Baptist, if you study Baptist history, and we'll probably do some of that in the future, many Baptist people have died for taking stands for religious freedom. Many of it was it was the Danbury Baptist Church that Thomas Jefferson wrote to when he talked about that separation of church and state. Because the Baptists, they 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 uh, America was real close to making the Anglican religion the national religion. And the Baptist said, no. People should be free to worship God how they see fit. We should not have a state religion. There needs to be a separation of church and state. That's something The Baptists have always stood for that. So while we might not agree with every religion, we believe that they ought to be free to do what they do. And many Baptist people have died because of those stands in our history if you study that. But also... If you have that attitude, you have no business calling yourself a Christian because Christianity, its history is full of people dying, taking stands for Christ. Many people died just so we could have this Bible that we have, so we could get translated to the English language. Many Christians, uh, they died in those early days because they took, they were not going to allow the emperor to, they, they were not, they wanted them to renounce their Christianity and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're children of God, we're, we're His people, we're Christians, and we, we're going to continue serving God as we see fit. We're, and even if they, we have to worship in caves, we're going to do it. And those people went sometimes, were fed to lions, burned at the stake. All they would have had to do is say, I renounce Christ, and they'd have let them go. But those people had liberty. Even with the threat of death, those people could not make them sin. You know why? Because they had real liberty. These days, all some people have to do to get you to go outside of the will of God is laugh at you. Some people just being laughed, they can't handle that. Somebody just disagreeing, oh, fine, I won't, I won't do the will of God. That's not the way our Christian history has been, and we don't want. Uh, we need to. We need to learn from that. We want. You need to enjoy that liberty that God has won for us. Jesus, when He came to this, when He saved you, He didn't just save you so you could go to heaven. He saved you because He wanted you to be able to have victory over the bondage of sin. 
The things that's going on in this world is because people are trapped. They're trapped in this. And that's why, I mean, the alcohol business, boy, it's booming today. Even with the bad economy. In fact, I think it's doing even better. You know why? Because so many people are miserable right now. And that's what they go to. They go to the bottle to find a little bit of peace and to find a little bit of comfort. They're in bondage to that stuff. Drugs are still huge. A lot of money in that. Not legal. There's a lot of money. You know why? Because people are in bondage to those things. And listen, it's because a life of sin. You live a life of sin, you're going to be miserable. You're going to constantly be wanting to go after those things. Don't do that. Don't give up your liberty. There's things, if there's something you've never done, maybe you've always wanted to, maybe you've been tempted to try it, the devil's thrown it at you. Say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give up my liberty. Hey, you know, there's this fun stuff you can start doing on Sunday. You'll have to miss church. Say, no, I'm not giving up that liberty. There are people that are out there that want to go to church, but they feel like they can't. You know, the problem is they gave up their liberty somewhere along the lines. And for them to get it back is going to be a real battle. And there's, there's countries today who they gave up their liberty a long time ago. And for them to get it back, it'll, it'll be a bloodbath. And in our country, if we're not careful, if we keep giving up liberty, there may come a day where we might have to have another war. I hope, I hope that day never comes. But it could happen. Don't sacrifice liberty and especially don't sacrifice your Christian liberty. The truth is as a Christian, we could live in a, we could if our if this country went totally communist, if this country ended up if we ended up in a world war, we can still have liberty in Christ. We still we can still have peace even during difficult times because that's that's what comes with salvation. That's what comes when we follow the word of God. It works in the good times and it works in the bad times. And I hope you'll follow the best you can. So let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.